morning. So, well, Merry Christmas, everyone. And we are in the third week of a three-week interview with Jesus, really asking this question, why? You know, did you, did you come for a certain season? Did you come uh, for, for a, a pagan holiday? Uh, you know, why, why did you come? And there's a lot of different uh, just kind of thoughts about that. And, and we just thought as, as the pastoral staff, hey, let's just go right to the source, right? Let's just ask Jesus why he came. So the first uh, week we asked him that question, why did you come? And we went through and pulled out scriptures where he explicitly said, hey, this is why I came. And just uh, to bullet point it out, if you didn't see it or catch it, you can catch it on Vimeo or our podcast, uh, what he said, hey, I came to, f- uh, to fulfill the law. I came to uh, serve my creation, to give my life as a ransom for many. He came as payment uh, for our rebellion. He came to be a light in the darkness and for us to be lights in the darkness. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to invite us into an unfettered relationship with God. And and finally, he came, uh, according to Jesus, to bring clarity of our belonging. Last week, we asked the question, you know, what did you do? And we opened up our Bibles to John 17, which we will be in there again today. So you may want to just get ahead and open up your Bibles right now to John 17. And we asked, what did you do? And we looked at uh, six kind of I action Jesus statements. I always get a picture in my head when I say I action Jesus statements like uh, G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu grip or something. I action Jesus statement, you know, but uh, uh, that's just me and that's my weirdness. But you came here and you're subjecting yourself to it, so I don't really need to apologize, right? And this is uh, in the I Jesus action statements. Uh, He said, look, I came to show us how to worship in spirit and truth. Uh, came to give you an invitation to a restored uh, relationship. When I came and I did, I taught about the most important commandment, what the most important thing of life is, and that's to holistically love God and to love people. He came to establish and show us what it means to live in biblical community. He came to model service, and, and finally, he, what he did when he was here, he empowered us as his ambassadors to this lost and hurting world. And I, I hope this interview with Jesus, this continuing interview with Jesus has been uh, powerful and, and hopefully it has enriched your life. And today as we conclude our journey um, and conclude our interview, we're going to ask Jesus the question, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Kind of the, the reason behind the actions. And this actually came out of a staff conversation as we were going through John 17, and, and we found that there were seven so statements. So if you have, you know, hold up your fridge fold, there's a big so there, right? Well, there's seven statements in John 17 where he's like, blah, 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 so the reason is blah, 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 where, but he doesn't say blah, blah, blah. He actually says things, and we're going to go through that. So, um, and I think this is important because many times, many times uh, actions can be misinterpreted, right? Like you see somebody and, and 
they do something and you think they're thinking something or they're doing that for a certain reason uh, and, and you misinterpret what their real purpose is. And this is why this is so important is Jesus saying, hey, this is the real reason behind why I came and, and the things that I did. You know, one kind of uh, action or, or kind of uh, circumstance happened several years ago during this season, during the Christmas season, where our church had bought hundreds of gifts for families and children in Frenchtown. And Dan at that ha- time had a, a big black truck. And we filled, you know, this big black truck um, up with all these presents. So it was kind of like Santa Claus sleigh, except Santa Claus is six, seven, and really thin and drove a black truck instead of a, a red sleigh, right? And a bunch of you guys, we all, you know, kind of carpooled down into the projects, into, into, into Frenchtown. We got to the first house, and we're really excited, and we pull up in, in uh, Pastor Dan's uh, sleigh and, and grab the, the first present. We go down these stairs, um, probably, you know, probably 10 feet down and uh, about, about a half a football field away from his truck. And we, you know, knock, 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 and we're talking to the family and everything. And while we're talking, we see this guy, like, jumping up and down and, like, yelling at us. I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, this guy seems really angry. He looks really perturbed with us. So I'm like, I'm going to go and talk to him. And so I, I you know, go back up the stairs, and, and I get up to him. And, and I get up to him, and real aggressively, he's like, do you know where you are? And I'm like, um, yeah, I think. And he's all like, I don't think you know where you are. He's all like, you're in the projects. He's all like, he's like, I know who you are. And I'm like, you do? And he's all like, yeah, you're that church. But you don't know where you are because you can't just come out and, and, and have this uh, truck full of presents and, and, and leave it unattended. And, <laughs> and he's all like, I'm a busy man. I got places to go. And I came by here and all these presents and I had to stop and protect it while you people were off and out. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's all like, well, you just need to think. You got to you know, you go down on me. So originally, I mean, I thought he was like, very, he was angry, but he was angry not that we were there. He was angry that we were just uh, kind of idiots, I guess, in, in his mind. So, you know, uh, so we learned our lesson, and, and, but we meant, you know, I misinterpreted his anger. He actually really meant for good for us and good for, for his community. So this is really cool that we get to uh, kind of get the heart behind why Jesus came. So as you opened up your Bibles to John 17, we're actually going to start with verse 1, and it's not a so statement uh, so much on a reason Jesus did something, but it's a so statement we're going to start off with uh, uh, a reason behind God and Jesus. And we start out, glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Here, right at the beginning, we see that the start of 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 the cycle, the beginning of the story that, that, um, that Jesus is saying, God, give your son your glory. Give me your power. Give me, give me your, your presence so I can give glory back to you. But it just doesn't end there. If you go down to verse 10, we get our next so statement 
where Jesus says, all who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me. So they will bring me glory. Here we have this idea of transformed illumination. This kind of thing that happens when you are in the presence of somebody and they make you better because they are there. This maybe most easily can be understood in the world of sports and uh, where when every so often there's this rare athlete that's not only talented or fast or can jump or, or whatever, but when they get out on the field of play or when they get out on the court, they actually make everyone around them a better player. This is something that was often said about Michael Jordan, that, that when he walked onto the hardwood, that everybody, his team and the other team, elevated their game because of his presence. And, and this is why, you know, he was an amazing, talented player, but he was truly a Hall of Famer because of the impact that he had on the game and others around him. And this is really the primary, one of the primary reasons that Jesus came. The heart behind it was not just to die, but to show us how to live. He walked this earth and he was in community to to bring a transformational or a transformational illumination to everyone that he encountered, everyone that he was doing life with. So that's the, the first one, the, the reason that, or the reason behind he came is this transformed illumination to show us how to live, how to bring, live a life that brings glory to God. The next one is in verse 11. It says, Now, Protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. My dyslexia, when I see united, I always read it as untied. In fact, the first time I ever preached in front of like a few hundred people, uh, I kept on reading united as untied. And I, could, and I had my, my good friend Mark Duvall, who kept on like, and I'm like, what are you, stop stop, you know, and everything. And it wasn't until afterwards that, that he's all like, you know, you were saying untied, and that's kind of like the opposite of what the Scripture was saying is uh, united. So, but I've learned, when I look at it, it looks like untied, but it's actually united. So, uh, and, and this is one of the main reasons that, that, that Jesus came, that, that hey, he, he protected us um, by the power that he gave him, the power of his name, so that we would be united. And and really, this, this is supernatural. He came to give us this supernatural relationships or, or a relationship that, that transcends commonality. Pastor Eric was talking a little bit about this at the, as, as our life and our society, there's an increasing tribalization, right? That you can listen to radio stations and only hear one point of view. You can watch TV, and you, I mean, how many cable channels are, are there? I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And you can just watch things that, that resonate with you. That, that because of the internet and, you know, our, our circles, you know, I could, I could spend my whole life only talking to triathletes, or you could spend your whole life only talking to whatever, you know, people who are interested in what you are interested in. And there's this increased tribalization, and that, that's natural. 
We are attracted to people who are like-minded. But one of the reasons that Jesus came was to give us supernatural relationships, relationships that don't make any sense outside of the supernatural power of God. You know, I often like to say that I want to have a church that looks like heaven. And that, that is a church that is filled with just so many different types of people, rich, poor, black, white, you know, Asian, uh, uh, people with different pasts, different professions, and, and seeing them sitting together and worshiping the same God, because I believe that's what heaven is going to look like. And, and by a transformational uh, relationship with Christ, that we're able to have these supernatural relationships, not bonded by our commonality, but by our inner reliant uh, function in the body of Christ. In verse 12, we get our next so statement. He says, I guarded them, so not one was lost. This is one of my favorite things about the God that we serve, the God that we follow, that he is uh, an impractical God. He has an impractical love for us. We don't deserve his love. We haven't done anything to earn his love. We have no way to pay him back for his love. I know that that may make some of you uncomfortable, saying, well, how can God be impractical? He's God. Well, when it comes to his love for us, it's not practical. It's an impractical love that, that, that it is a countercultural type of love. We see kind of story after story after story of of God's relentless pursuit of us, even when we're not pursuing him. That we see the parable of, of the prodigal son who essentially spit in his father's face and went and spent his fortune. And the picture of God the father waiting day in and day out, looking in the horizon, hoping that his son comes back. And then the one day that he sees him, that he lifts up his robes and in an undignified manner goes running to his son and embraces him and throws a party. That is not a practical love. That is an impractical love. In verse 13, we get our next so statement. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Jesus came and he walked this earth. One of the reasons was that we would have this transcendent joy, this this joy that transcends all understanding. I'm going to say something that, that you perhaps will disagree with, but this is what I found true in my life especially in light of just the past few weeks in our country, there's no reason to have joy in this life outside of Christ and God. We live in a dark, horrible, cursed world. We do. We absolutely do. And I believe that, that, that joy is unattainable outside of the hopeful relationship and the hope of the future that we have in salvation in Jesus Christ. I believe that we can have fleeting glimpses of happiness, 
Sure, we can get distracted. We can be happy when our team scores. We can be, you know, excited, you know, and happy, you know, if we watch a, a movie that, that is cleverly written and filmed to make us laugh and be happy. But those are fleeting just moments of happiness. But true transcendent joy that, that, that is constant through pain and struggle, through death, through heartache, when you're in the depths of, of, of depression, knowing that we have a hope for our future. And this is one of the reasons that Jesus came was to give us this transcendent joy. The next one, which I think most of us uh, uh, would give as the answer if we were came, pushed, came to shove, like, well, why did Jesus come? Well, Jesus came to die on the cross, which I think is true, but it's not the whole truth. In verse 19, he says, And I will give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. Now, we talk a lot about the different uses of holy in the Greek and in the Hebrew. And there's the, the holy, which is absolutely pure without blemish, which is a reference to God. And then there's the holy, like set aside for God's purpose, like the holy, uh, holy church or something like that. Anybody who's ever gone to church knows it's not absolutely pure, right? Because there's people there. Okay, ask a pastor later if you don't know what I mean. But, you know, sacrificial redemption is one of the kind of the centralized, you know, redeeming facts of why Jesus came. But he didn't come again just to die. He came to show us how to live, to live this transcendent life. In verse 21, this is probably the, the most difficult one for most of us. He says this, and, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This kind of living declaration, this transformational relationship with God as, as he reestablishes the original, original vision for his creation that, he, that we would be in an unfettered relationship with him. That our transcendent joy is meant to be a living declaration of the deity of Christ. And I'm going to say something a little bit harsh about people who are just Christian only in name. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But nothing in their life is a living declaration to the power of God. That Christians in name only who are living powerless, ordinary lives really diminish the perception of Christ's deity. Let me read this verse again. And may they be in us. Who's us? In God, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. May they be in us. We as the body of Christ, may they be in us. Yes, it makes me uncomfortable to think, oh, being invited into the Trinity. But that, that is what he's saying. He's saying. The vision is that there will be no division among us. This is that they will be in us. So why? Why, why will they be in us? So the world will believe you sent me. That we were given the Holy Spirit when we came to faith 
so that we could live extraordinary lives as living declarations to the deity of Christ. And then the final one in verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. And really the the final kind of reason according to Jesus that he came was to include us in this blessed bond. This, this bond that cannot be broken by death or circumstance or behavior or anything. That, that we have a blessed bond with Christ. That we are transformed and that we are able to ha- live a life of transcendent joy because of his impractical joy or his impractical love for us that he pursued and sacrificed to pay our debt. So the seven reasons that Jesus came are these. Number one, transformed illumination. That we be transformed by the presence of Christ, by a living encounter with the one true living God, that we cannot help but be changed to have supernatural relationships that are not based in commonality, but are based in our unique function in the body of Christ, in our inner reliance on one another. And in practical love because he came to us and didn't require us to come to him. A transcendent joy, a joy that transcends all understanding. He came as payment, as a sacrificial redemption of our shortcomings to build the bridge and for us to be a living declaration so we can exist in the blessed bond. I hope this kind of this interview with Jesus has been uh, helpful to you. You know, I think so often... Uh, we can get bogged down, especially in church life, with who's doing what and why and, and you know, what is this idea over here? What's this person saying over here or this church leader is saying over here? And I think that it's important for us to keep going back to the Word of God and just saying, well, what do you say, God. I understand that all these other people say all these things based on experience, but what do you say? And what God says is what Eric was was saying, was this baby that that we're going to celebrate tomorrow night on Christmas Eve and then on Christmas Day, that a baby is a baby. But what makes this baby special is this baby's represents an impractical love. A baby that came and walked the life of a human with all the frailties of a human as being a human being and walked a perfect life and went to the cross. But in reality, there are lots of babies and there's lots of babies who have died. But what is especially unique about this particular, not 
this particular baby, but baby of Christ, is that the cross was not the end of the story, but the beginning of the story. When three days later, he rose. And then 40 days later, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled his church. And as we live with the Holy Spirit indwelled in us, that we have been called to live extraordinary lives that transcend circumstance that, that has hope and joy in face of the cursed world that we live in and a joy that invites others to experience the, that power of God's love as well. Will you guys pray with me? Wow.